0: Thank you for singing up so well. It's wonderful when you hear a church singing. and It's good to it's good to sing the Psalms, Psalm 116 there. I despise Jason and Nida in the corner with baby Isla. Is she asleep? Okay, I'll try not to wake her up. Um, it's lovely to see you. There'll be a queue over there after the service for you to um, go in there, say hello, and get a cuddle. Um, I think it would be really helpful if you keep Philippians open. I think that's page 1178. If this is your first time here. You're joining us at a very good juncture because we're just beginning this new letter, this new series called Joy. And uh, I hope we'll be uh, becoming more joyful as a church as we study this letter together. There's also a little yellow handout to give you some idea of where I'm going to be going in the next few moments. Shall we pray uh, as we make a start? Father, we just sung of your, your faithfulness, of how you hear our prayers, and how you speak. And we ask that you would uh, move us now to hear you, to move our hearts to a position where we might not only hear these words, but but act on them. Father, make us more like your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Please use my weak and and, and failing words to to bring gospel change in each of our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I was reminded recently that when I was 17, which is about the age of some, some of you guys down here, perhaps, I started a business. It was part of the Young Enterprise Scheme. you heard of Young Enterprise? I don't know if you have it in, in other countries. Um, and uh, we created a company at school. The name of our company was called Blue Sky. We thought that sounded quite good. And our managing director, his name was Nathan Jones, he had a very clear direction for Blue Sky. We would go uh, around the, all the bric-a-brac shops in Bedford and buying up ornamental tat, cheap ornamental tat. And then we'll go to our parents and flog it at a significantly higher rate. What could possibly go wrong? Now, before you start queuing up after the service uh, to get some business tips off me, I should probably let you know it was an mitigated failure. Uh, the first problem was the fact that our team didn't really share the managing director's vision. In all honesty, I wasn't really in it for the money. I was uh, in it just so I didn't have to do the Duke of Edinburgh scream and sort of climbing over mountains. I wasn't really up for that. And the other problem was the fact that Blue Sky faced some serious opposition. We had a rival company called Diffusion. I'm not making this up. And uh, Diffusion had the exact same business plan as we did. And apparently their parents had a greater appreciation for ornamental tat. And so they they got the market share. I've been doing a bit of research this week. What went wrong with Blue Sky? Well, according to businessstrategy.com, Quote, a successful business partnership requires a shared goal and the ability to withstand serious opposition. So it's little surprise, blue sky went belly up. We didn't make a penny. Well, here in Philippians 1, if you look down, you might have noticed that Paul describes the church not as a business partnership, but as a gospel partnership. You see, together we are working towards the same goal we want to make Jesus Christ known we want to know him better ourselves but as we heard earlier on in our kids slot and if you're here last week we should expect some serious opposition if this is our goal both from within the church and from without so I guess my question this morning is this how can we be sure that St John's won't go the same way as blue sky because let's be real for a moment there's quite a lot stacked against us isn't there there's the uh, the intense demands of working and uh, trying to raise a family in london and and they kind of threaten to squeeze out our, our our desire or our capacity to to be involved in in this partnership There's a a large diversity of people here, a diversity of personalities, different cultures, and and that can very easily lead us to to fall out of one another, to to lose sight of our vision and our goal. And uh, our culture, as we heard last week, is increasingly turning hostile against us. There's a danger that the only time we let the name of Jesus fall off our lips is when we're sitting in, in this room. How can we be sure that St. John's won't fail as a gospel partnership, scuppered by internal division and by external opposition. Well my hope today as we eavesdrop on Paul's prayer to the Philippian Church is that we'll be given three reasons for confidence for the future of this gospel partnership. And if you're following on your sheets you'll see the first one there is that God finishes what he starts. God finishes what he starts let down with me to uh, to verse three now if i was paul i would have begun the letter a little bit like this dear philippians thank you so much for your faithful partnership to me through thick and thin i'm really really grateful keep up the good work hugs and kisses paul that's how i would have uh, written the beginning of this letter but strangely he doesn't thank the philippian church who does he thank look at verse three i thank my god every time i remember you in all my prayers for all of you i always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now if you're here last sunday you would remember that first day vividly i imagine that first day in act 16 paul was stripped completely naked he was beaten And then imprisoned in an inner, stinky cell. Why? Because he proclaimed Jesus as Lord. That was day one. Great start. And yet on day one, Lydia opened her home and said, yeah, let's use my home as a base for the church. That was God's work, wasn't it? Working in her, creating that that gospel partnership between her and Paul and Silas. But as you know, as we heard last week, Paul very uh, soon had to leave Philippi. He, he was sort of chased out of the city. And a tidal wave of persecution and poverty fell upon the church. And it would have been very tempting for them at that point just to sack it in. Sack it in for an easy life. To, to distance themselves from Paul and, and this gospel he was preaching. But do you know what they did instead? They kept on sending Paul aid even though it was incredibly costly for them and they were in dire need. You see, that was God's work, sustaining that gospel partnership between them. But there's more in verse 6. Look down. Paul says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's frustrating, isn't it, when, when work isn't finished, my sister's got um, some, doing some sort of building work on our home, and, and the builders they keep on running out of money in their bank account, and so the builders are kind of effectively living with them now. My nephews they come down in the morning. all right, Brian, you know, it's just part. They're part of the furniture there. It's frustrating when when work isn't done. At the start of the, the summer holiday, I always pick up a very big, intimidating novel. I'm always very ambitious. I can get through it. But months later, I now pick it up, and I can't remember who half the characters are, and so I just lose enthusiasm and I, I put it down. I give up. This so is my daughter Chloe. She, she likes puzzles, and, and she likes putting the puzzles in the right uh, the pieces in the right bits. and She likes making the appropriate noises for each of them. Moo, and it goes. But instantly, she gets sort of distracted by something over there, and so there's bits of puzzle everywhere. She gets distracted, so doesn't finish the job. Often, we just don't have the ability, or the capacity, or the interest to finish our own work but it's encouraging to see here in verse 6 that gospel ministry gospel work is not ultimately our work if it were our work ultimately then we wouldn't be very confident would we no it is God's work so when he begins to work in a church or a person he will bring it to completion but what God starts He always finishes he brought the Philippians from day one all the way through to the present and he'll bring them to completion to the day of Christ and friends this ought to be an enormous encouragement for us just just think of someone for a moment in our church family or a Christian perhaps you're concerned about perhaps someone's struggling at the moment I don't know who you're thinking of. Maybe you're thinking of a son or a daughter, maybe in a new school or off at university, and you're worried, are they going to stand up for Jesus there? I don't know, maybe you're worried about a member of your small group. They're in a difficult situation, you're asking yourself, are they going to endure through that? Or maybe you're you're thinking of a a mission partner of ours, um, frustrated, under-resourced. Will they persevere? It's fair to say, often our, our circumstances, they're, They're uncertain and they're scary. But like Paul, we can always pray with joy. Because when God begins a work in someone, he promises to always bring it to completion. It's like we heard last week, joy is not a matter of circumstance, but perspective. We can always pray with joy. And, and that's true not only um, as individuals, but also as a church. And, that, and that's why we gather every single month. I think um, we prayed for it a moment ago. We gather each month to pray as a church. And even if you're new to, to the family, I'd encourage you to join us. I think the next one's on the 5th of October. It's always the first Wednesday of the month. And we, and we do that because our confidence isn't in this lovely building. It's not in our, our structures or our staff team. Our confidence isn't, is that Ultimately, this is God's work. And what God begins, he will finish. We want to thank him for that. So we pray with joy. But you might have just been listening patiently to all that, and, and you might have thought this, well, okay, fine. So gospel partnership is God's work, is it? Then why does it feel so difficult? <laughs> if it's ultimately his work, well, why, why is it so hard for me to love that really Awkward person in my small group. If uh, it's God's work, why do I have to work so hard to be bold, to to let the name of Jesus fall off my lips with my friend or my colleague? If, if it's God's work, why, why does it require such self discipline to lead my family in devotions and prayer? It's difficult, isn't it? Well, second encouragement on your sheets: God empowers what is difficult. Follow with me in verse seven. Verse seven. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share, or literally partner in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus love this Paul, Paul describes here how the Philippians partnered with him and when he was out defending and confirming the gospel in all the ways that Paul normally does the Philippians didn't think well I guess we should just leave it to the professionals the people with the theology degrees over there they, they, they can do that job no they didn't do that they joined with him in the task when Paul was suffering for the gospel in prison they didn't think oh Paul, golly he's a bit of embarrassment to the cause isn't he best keep our distance from him. We don't want to be branded with the same sort of brushstroke that he is in the media. No, no, no. They didn't do that. No, they stood with him and they suffered with him. In chapter four, in, in the letter, um, Paul says that when he was in need, they sent financial aid. When, they, when he needed prayer, they got on their knees. You get the point. Whatever Paul did, they partnered with him. And remarkably, Remarkably, this partnership wasn't just expressed by the few keen individuals, you know, the hardcore 10% who do 90% of the work. Just notice how many times the word all appears in these opening verses. Verse 1, Paul writes not just to the overseers and the deacons, the the ministry team, but to all the saints. In verse 4, Paul prays for all the church, because verse 7, they are all partners with him in grace so in verse 8 Paul has affection for all of them clearly this was an every member ministry church so what made the entire church want to partner with Paul in such a costly way well it's because they loved him they loved him and, and he clearly loved them I think many of us, we often get the impression that Paul's one of these hard-nosed theologian types. You know that you know the sort. We, we suspect he's all doctrine, but no warmth. The sort of guy who'd rather hit you with a Bible than give you a hug. Often we sort of suspect that's what Paul's like, isn't he? Well, I think that's the Paul of popular opinion, but it's not the Paul of the Bible. Look at verse 7. I have you in my heart. Verse 8. I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus that is some affection isn't it the affection of Christ Jesus how did Christ display his affection well the eternal son of God he he didn't simply exploit his position in glory no what did he do seeing our misery he, he entered our world he took the form of a servant made himself a slave died for us even dying on a cross. He did that because because of our need. His affection for us was costly, it was genuine, and it was utterly, utterly necessary. Because without it, we'd be dead in our sin. And very much alone on the day of judgment. Verse 8, Paul says, I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Partnership it is a business word, but it's not a cold word. So I think we should kind of think of ourselves as a church, a, a, bit, like a, a bit like an Italian business. You know, you know those sort of um, small pizzerias up in Hampstead Village. I think we should think of ourselves like an Italian business. It's family run. Uh, we have a, a special source, the gospel, which we pass down uh, the generations. And, and what drives us? Love and heart. It's love for Jesus, it's, it's love for one another, it's love for the lost. We should think of ourselves like an Italian business. So when you struggle to be patient with that member of your, your small group, pray for the affection of Christ Jesus to, to model your love on his. When you struggle for the boldness to share your faith with that friend or your colleague, pray for the affection of Christ Jesus to model your compassion on his. When you struggle to lead your family in a love for the Lord Jesus, pray for the affection of Christ Jesus to model your service on his. I've been thinking um, recently uh, of ways as a church we might better partner with our mission partners elsewhere. You might know we have the Aranzillas in Bologna, in Italy. We have the Pashts in Switzerland. We have uh, the Jumps in Manchester and and various other initiatives like like Kate was uh, telling us about earlier. And uh, you might know we, we pray for our mission partners every month at, at our prayer meeting. But my suspicion is most of us probably don't know who they are. We, we don't really know what they do. Um, and we're not really partnering with them uh, in the way which we could. So we've been thinking about ways in which we can improve this. And I hope um, we, we might soon start a task team whose, whose specific job is to ensure that we as a church are properly caring for our mission partners. That they feel this affection of Christ Jesus. That they feel loved. Uh, we're not just uh, sending them sort of uh, money and, and things like that, but they're genuinely feeling loved by us. And I, I've, I've invited our various mission partners throughout the year to, to come and preach at various points. So we meet them and we can see something of their, their ministry amongst us and for us elsewhere. We pray for affection because God empowers what is difficult. But This is our final encouragement. God abounds what is good. Some of you might have uh, perhaps already started thinking of Christmas presents and what you might get family members. Okay, maybe the men haven't, but maybe, maybe some others have here. And um, I know in my family, we kind of face this problem. What on earth do you buy the person who has everything? Um, my, Hannah's father, he, he has everything. He sort of, ev- everything he might want, he has. And you, sort of, you have to buy him socks. You don't know what to get at him. But the question is this. What do you pray for the church he seems to have everything. And we read through this letter and the, the Philippians really were the model church. They are almost too good to be true. What do you pray for a church that is already so loving, already so servant-hearted, already so self-sacrificial in all that they do? And the answer comes in verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through christ jesus to the glory and praise of god it said that michelangelo once you know the painter he once entered his studio to examine some of the work of his students and as he came up to to the to the painting of one of his best students he stood and examined it for a while, for a long while. Then, after staring at this, this piece of work, he picked up his uh, student's paintbrush and, in red paint, wrote the word amplius right across the center of the canvas. Everyone was shocked what on earth are you doing? The word amplius means larger, bigger. Michelangelo, um, he thought the work was great. It exhibited really good skill it was it was a wonderful start but he wanted bigger he wanted greater so whilst the philippians were already faithful gospel partners paul praised that their love would amplious would abound more and more that they might be able to discern not just what is good but what is best there's been a lot of work in, in recent years about how churches grow. And uh, I, I find it quite interesting reading this sort of stuff. And Apparently, when, when churches are newly planted, they, they can be obviously quite fragile because of their lack of infrastructure and, and they're often smaller. But but that weakness is often matched by a, a wonderful prayerfulness and enthusiasm. Uh, churches at this stage often, often grow really quickly uh, because everyone sees it as a missional community. When newcomers come, everyone jumps on them and it's... It, it, They they grow really quickly. But when churches tend to reach uh, around sort of 150, 200 people, usually around 20 years old, when when the infrastructure starts to come into place, there's a tendency for for that rapid growth to suddenly plateau. That, That initial growth spurt just seems to stop. Why is that? Well, churches at this stage, I'm told, they often think, hey, we've got these wonderful facilities we're kind of 80% full. And, and it's like we slip into maintenance mode. Let's subconsciously hit that um, cruise control button. We're doing good enough. So someone else will in, invite that new family around for lunch. Uh, someone else will attend the prayer meeting. Someone else will um, bring friends to that outreach event. Friends, we must pray we don't slip into that way of thinking here at St. John's. And that's why I'm so encouraged at the moment, in fact. We, we recently did this serving survey, and it's wonderfully encouraging for us to see so many of you saying, yeah, I want to serve in this way, I want to serve in that way. Just seeing the different ways people have been serving this morning, costly, self-sacrificially, someone coming from Brighton this morning just to serve us. And, and this person wasn't bitter about that at all. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. We're so encouraged at the moment that we're not in that maintenance mode way of thinking. But looking forward we must pray that our love for Jesus would continue to abound. That we wouldn't be satisfied by what is good, but we would pursue what is best. Not, not for our own ease and our own comfort, not for our own glory and our own name of St. John's, but, but that the kingdom of God might continue to increase in this area of Hampstead. That's, that's how Paul prays for the Philippian church. But I'm guessing we should also have similar prayers for us as individuals as well ambition is a good thing isn't it i don't know if you're you're an ambitious person it's it's a good thing to be ambitious and many of us are ambitious uh, to be the best in our professions Uh, we have ambitions for our homes maybe we know what we want to do in our homes and expand or extend or something Uh, we're ambitious for our children these ambitions are very very good things But the question is, what happens when these good ambitions come into conflict with what is best? Well, what is best? Well, we're told in verse 10. What is best is that we might be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You see, if our Christ-likeness of character and maturity if that's what we think is best, then surely it would be better to have a slightly less demanding position at work if it means we'll have more time to receive fellowship and encouragement midweek. Surely it's better to have a slightly messier home if it means we can have people around for tea. Surely it's better to have slightly less talented children if it means they prioritise loving Jesus the whole of their life. Do we pursue what is best? Hannah and I spent um, a week of our summer holidays with my folks in, uh, in Letchworth and they got terrible internet so we're struggling to find out what to do with the time and um, we looked through some, uh, some old photo albums and um, I, I came across this, this old photo um, if you're at the back and you can't see it it's a, it's a picture uh, of, uh, of my baptism I'm sitting there on my mother's lap I'm looking like a, I think a chubbier and angrier version of Chloe poor girl and, um, and next to us is, is a cake. And written on the cake is this Andrew, this is our prayer. Philippians 1 9 to 11. I want to be that sort of parent. One who loves Jesus above every good thing and so discerns what is best for my kids. Not that they might get into great schools or top universities but they, they might become increasingly more like Jesus. I think similarly, those of us who are, who are small group leaders or, or involved in teaching the Bible in any capacity, we should have the same ambition for those under our care, that they become increasingly like Jesus. Incidentally, just as an aside, if, if you're praying for someone, tell them you're praying for them. I find it enormously encouraging when people say, I'm, I'm praying for you. Um, Paul tells the Philippians here what he's praying for them. Tell people you're praying for them. It's a a lovely thing. Please do that. And we're trying to work this principle through as a staff team as well. We've now committed to to meet for about 20 minutes each day to pray through a list of your names. And uh, we pray for what we perceive to be your felt needs. So if you you have needs, please let us know so we can be more accurate in our prayers. But above all, we're praying for increase in Christ likeness in each of you. That's our primary prayer. I think the surprise of this passage, as we read it, is, is that Christ's likeness of character, it doesn't just look like being a lovely, nice person. It looks like partnership in a costly gospel ministry. It looks like getting people ready for the day of Christ. It looks like praying with joy, because whatever God starts, God always finishes. So let's pray now with joy. Father, we praise you for the work you've begun in each of us. On day one, the work you're continuing to do in each of us and that promise which we claim that you will bring to completion that work for the day of Christ. We pray that also for our children, those we're concerned for, our mission partners abroad. And we also pray that as a church, that you would abound this work, Father, that we wouldn't be satisfied with what is good, the status quo, but we would pursue what is best. Lead us into all wisdom, we pray, as we do this. In Jesus' name.